athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. NBA trade deadline is coming gone, and Anthony Davis is still in New Orleans. You're locked into the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. And you know who I really feel bad for? I mean, I can't get into the whole thing, but I really feel bad, bad for the New Orleans Pelicans fans. Here's a fan base that cheers for its team, its star player wants out. I mean, this whole thing to me has been extremely messy, but I really, I really feel for the fans. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, should play the contract out. He's going to be a free agent after the 2020 uh, season. He needs to, in my opinion, needs to play that contract out. This doesn't even sound like Anthony Davis in terms of wanting to be traded, but ultimately it's not going to happen. Listen, got a whole lot to get to on the program. Standing by, joining us momentarily, speaking of the NBA, Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan going to join us on the program, as a matter of fact, momentarily. Also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the iconic actor, and you'll probably most know him from the film Shaft, Richard Roundtree, actor Richard Roundtree, also going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row and National Signing Day. Uh, It was on Wednesday, and I am going to give you my top 10 HBCU recruiting classes, top 10 Division One HBCU recruiting classes as we do each and every year here on the program. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row always wants you to participate. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to those listening to us on all of our wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142, and those listening to us around the world at box Let's to row. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. And we're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the coach of the Indiana Pacers, and he's done a remarkable job throughout the course of his career. He's got a lot going on, as a matter of fact. And we're going to talk with him about all of it. Nate McMillan joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Nate, welcome back to the program. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you. I mean, I think the obvious question is, you know, obviously Victor Oladipo goes down for you uh, on last week. You guys had a nice win uh, against the Heat. And, of course, a really nice win, a 42-point win 
against the Lakers. How have you been able to adjust with uh, knowing that you will not have Victor? Well, you know, we had an opportunity, uh, unfortunately, to uh, play without Victor early in the season, and we had to make some adjustments. I thought our guys did a good job of uh, making those adjustments. The difference with this uh, time is that uh, Victor is not coming back. Uh, so we we didn't change much as uh, far as uh, what we were doing out on the floor. Victor is such a big part of uh, what we uh, try to establish on the floor, uh, our pace, establishing our defense. Normally he is guarding, uh, you know, the, the tough matchup at the one, two, sometimes three position. Uh, you know, he's an uh, all-defensive team. Uh, player and offensively he establishes our pace uh, with his ability to uh, get out and push the ball and get that temp- set that tempo we want to play at with him being out now we have to change you know really how we play uh, the game you know he was our closer uh, going down the stretch uh, you know uh, we did get a, a big win uh, in Miami and uh, we pretty much went with the hot hand and was able to uh, to win that game. So you have to adapt. Uh, you know, injuries are a part of the, the game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this situation with Victor puts him out for the season, and uh, we have to uh, really focus on uh, what we not what we don't have, but focus on what we do have. No, I think, see, that's the point. Like, you know, even when you guys made the run in the playoffs last year, which was a great run, I mean, you got guys by the name of Bogdanovich and Collison and Evans and Young and Turner uh, and Sabonis, and these guys are going to have to obviously really step up. But talk about those guys. I mean, yeah, we know, everybody knows about Victor Oladipo, no question about it, but you got some other guys that can play the game as well. Well, you know, we, we build our system around team play and not one individual. You know, as I mentioned, Victor was a big part of the things that we tried to do out on the floor, but it's all about being connected out there on both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, the NBA is about adapting, uh, it's a, you know, whether it's an injury or adapting to how, you know, the flow of a game is going, uh, making adjustments. Uh, as you go throughout that game. And this is something not only that uh, we have to do, uh, you know, at this point with Victor, but we, we, we constantly do this uh, every night out. And uh, our guys last year, a lot of those guys had the opportunity uh, to get a year under their belt, uh, playing together and have built a new uh, good chemistry, a good rhythm. And they have, uh, you know, learned to play play better uh and and play without uh each other at times and you know Badanovich has done a you know real solid job for us uh the last two years uh being able to score the ball this year uh he's been that go-to guy that second option uh Domas has done an excellent job for us coming off the bench and establishing our second unit we added uh Tyreek Evans who's a proven scorer uh Miles Turner that Thaddeus Young, you know, two guys who've been with me uh, the last couple of years have had a solid season. So, you know, we have uh, guys that can step up and and play and uh, give ourselves a chance to win. They understand uh, what we need to do, and, uh, you know, they, they made that adjustment uh, last night. Last thought on uh, on Victor is not a direct question, but, I mean, you've been through something like this before when you were in Seattle when Ray Allen 
uh, went down, your star player went down. So you know, you know how to be able to make those adjustments. Well, again, it's unfortunately it's, it's a part of the game. You know, I was I experienced more of this in Portland uh, when I had Greg Oden and, and Brandon Roy. Uh, you know, two guys that were young, talented players who we had felt had the potential to elevate that uh, organization. And uh, you know, Greg Oden two years in a row go go down with uh, season-ending uh, knee injury. Uh, Brandon Roy, uh, the same thing, a career-ending uh, knee injury. So uh, you, you have to just adapt to it. You know, uh, it's next man up mentality. Uh, that team has to be, you know, pulled together. And as I mentioned before, you have to focus on the players you do have and not so much the players uh, that you don't. Nate McMillan. The Indiana Pacers head coach, he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What did it mean for you, Nate, to be able to get uh, that contract extension prior to this season? Well, you know, it just showed me that the organization and I were on the same page as far as the direction uh, we wanted to uh, go forward uh, with. And that is uh, we felt like last year, uh, with the change of uh, our roster, uh, having to tra- uh, trade Paul George, and we got Victor Oladipo and Sabonis uh, in that trade, and uh, we had you know a year that most people didn't expect us to have. Uh, we was able to make it to the playoffs and uh, you know have some success uh, in the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Cleveland ended that uh, in the first round, but just felt that the direction we were going as uh, far as the organization was the the right way and uh, they wanted to extend me I wanted to be a part of that uh, you know the future of this organization and, and, and building uh, this team and uh, you know so you know it's always uh, you're, you're always appreciative and feel blessed when you know organization steps up and uh, extend and uh, show that uh they like what you you know like what you're doing yeah i mean going back a couple of years ago when we had you on the program you got you know it was interesting because at the time we had you on it was you know it was every every game it was win loss win loss win loss win loss win loss but ultimately you guys made the playoffs so but but again that was a year you were taking over so talk about last year and how you were able to be the head coach at the beginning of the season kind of implement what you were doing. And again, to the point, no Paul George. So it's a whole, you know, you have Victor Oladipo. Now you got a couple of new pieces. So now this is sort last year was sort of really, you put the stamp or your stamp on this team. Yeah. And you, you know, what you do is you're going to create a culture, uh, that, uh, that organization wants and a style of play and, uh, you know, you know, some standards that you live by and that, was uh, the approach last season with a new roster, uh, a young group, a young hungry group, uh, you know, that we, I had going into training camp. Uh, not, not only did we have, uh, new, uh, you know, a few new faces on the roster, but we added some free agents, uh, Darren Collison, uh, last year. Those guys came in as free agents and, uh, wanted to be a part of what we was trying to create in, in Indiana. And uh, they were hungry. Uh, those guys continue to be hungry. Uh, this year, I think we have about seven free agents. Uh, so we're going to have to make a lot of decisions uh, in the off season. But uh, they've shown that they want to be a part 
uh, of this organization. Uh, they come to play every single night, and you know that's the culture uh, that uh, we wanted to create here in Indiana. As you make the adjustment without Victor Oladipo, can you speak to these next couple of games? Then your next, you know, five six ball games are at home. How, how important is it? with where you are to have those home games? Well, we we are, we always take the approach one game at a time. You know, you uh, our focus is on the next opponents, and uh, you take it one game at a time. You know, it's, we, we have a challenging schedule uh, going down the stretch. We'll have five, I think, five home games before the All-Star break. Uh, but then we, we go out west. But our focus is never on, the, you know, two, three, four, five games from now. Uh, the focus is on the next opponent. Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more with Nate McMillan. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We track down the names making news in sports. From the Press Box to Press Row. It's Donald Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Talking with Indiana Pacers head coach, Nate McMillan, here on the program. And Nate, what do you remember most about your days as a player uh, with the Supersonics? Of course, most notably in the 90s and then playing some of those, you know, those other teams, Carl Malone with the Jazz, and Michael Jordan with the, with, uh, with the Bulls and so on and so forth. It's just a different game. It's a totally different game. Uh, than uh, than it is now. You know, the game was played more from the inside out, meaning uh, there was more post up. Uh, you played through your posts, uh, and you you know if they took the post away, you would uh, you know play it from the perimeter. The game now is played from the outside in. You know, you're playing from the three point line and defending, uh, trying to defend the three point line. Uh, and then the guys are looking to attack the basket. So it's it's a it's just a totally uh, different game. It's a much faster uh, game, uh, more up tempo style of play. It's you know is uh, that you know a lot of people call it small ball, um, where you know you don't you don't have a power forward anymore. They, those guys are called spread for. Uh, you know they're talking about polit- uh, positionless. Uh, basketball now people don't players don't really have a position uh you're putting you know 
five guys out there. You know, the center's now shooting threes. And, you know, so it's, a, it's a, just a different game uh, than the 90s. And, you know, it's just exciting game. You know, it's, it's, it's different uh, in how we, we teach it uh, and how we play it. And uh, the fans, that's what they want, you know. Uh, the, the teams, uh, that's what they have uh, tried to, uh, you know, build their roster. You know, I, I think you know, after uh, Golden State won their first championship, I, I really felt that the league was going in that direction when Memphis and Golden State was battling in the playoffs. And Memphis was still a big physical team. And Golden State was playing the small ball, and uh, small ball won over, uh, you know, the big ball. Far as you know, to a, a center and, and a power forward. And after that championship, teams really changed uh, how they uh, recruited players and uh, rosters that they tried to build. You know, now now in the ninety three, ninety four, and the ninety four, ninety five season. You were second team All NBA. You should have been first team All NBA one of those years, right, Nate? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I needed your vote doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you know, listen, I, I was still, you know, Nate, I wasn't doing this at this time. Like, I was still in school yeah. at that time. Oh, so you were dating me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to, okay, Nate. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, all right. But I mean, I was, I was, you know, I was a player that was coming off the bench and to. Uh, received those honors were you know in in the in a league uh, such as the NBA with you know so many uh, really good defenders uh, during that time. I mean it was it was an honor to be recognized. Couple of more thoughts with Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. So your old high school, of course, we're here as you know uh, in Raleigh. Your old high school in Lowe's going to retire your number. What does that mean to you? Uh, you know, it was a, it was a surprise. It was a, it re- really was a shock. Uh, they called me a couple months ago and, uh, talked to me about, uh, you know, if I could make it home over the break, they wanted to retire my jersey. And I'm sitting there, you know, just thinking, you know, all the great players that played before me. And, uh, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know how many jerseys they've retired or, uh, who is up there, but, uh, you know, just great players before me um, that that came and established in low basketball, uh, as well as you know the coach that uh, was who coached all of us, uh, Preston McLean, who uh, you know died a few years ago, uh, was a great coach and a great mentor and father figure, and you know he ran a great program. And Inlow was a school. Uh, that I wanted to go to and attend in high school because of their basketball program. Uh, you know, it was it was a, a school that was known for uh, its its bas- you know the basketball program there. Um, but there were guys like Tony Warren who played uh, before me, Danny Young, uh, Anthony Rogers. Uh, you know, a number of guys that were uh, Gerald Peacock. I, I mean, a number of guys that were you know really outstanding players uh that played uh before me and to you know have the opportunity uh to have the jersey retired i mean again just really appreciative of uh 
the recognition. And then, of course, you went on to play at Chowan for two years, which, of course, Chowan now in CIAA. I was there about a, a month ago uh, or so. And speaking of, of players that, I mean, you had a chance. Um, I, you know about the CIAA not only having lived in Raleigh, but you coached a former uh, All-America who played in the, at the, CIA, in the CIAA in, in Flip Murray when you were in uh, Seattle. But talk about that time at Chowan. And boy, Chowan has come a long way uh, since you were there. Now a university, of course, playing currently in the CIAA. I think next year they're moving on to a new league, though. Yeah, you know they've they've gone to uh, several uh, different conferences. They've you know went from a JUCO to a Division three, and now they are in the you know CIAA. I was just down there uh, a few years ago, and they retired my jersey. Uh, great school, you know that that's really uh, kind of where it continued for me. Just, it started at Inlo High School and continued uh, for me at. Uh, Chawan, where you know Coach Bob Burke uh, again had a, a great program. Uh, a number of guys uh, from the Raleigh area and from Inlo uh, went down to Chawan to uh, play. Myself, Jim Dillard, uh, Michael Pulley uh, went down, and uh, we had success there. You know, we we were a one of the, the top JUCOs uh, in North Carolina. Were really in uh, you know in in on the East Coast and. Uh, that was all due to uh, Coach Bob Burt uh, recruiting and you know the talent that we we had down there. Uh, so it was you know a great two years uh, for me. Uh, there's the place that I met my wife, uh, and uh, we have been together ever since. So uh, it's a special place for me. It's a beautiful thing. Last two thoughts. You then went on to play at North Carolina State for Jim Valvano. Um, two Elite Eight appearances, as a matter of fact. Your your thoughts on memories uh, of of North Carolina State and and Jim Valvano? Well, another you know great uh, two years, uh, and you know having the opportunity, you know being right there in Raleigh. NC State was uh, you know my college that I uh, rooted for uh, in the ACC. Uh, it was not UNC. It was NC State and <laughs> David Thompson and Monty Tal and, you know, all of those guys. And then to have the opportunity, uh, NC State came in and recruited me late. But to have that opportunity uh, to have uh, Coach Valvano come down to Chuan and offer me a uh, two-year scholarship uh, was like, I mean, it, it was – Really, it wasn't even a dream come true because I never even thought uh, that I would have the opportunity to be over there on the stage playing at North Carolina State, uh, you know, for that university. And uh, it was just amazing to uh, be right there in Raleigh uh, playing for, you know, North Carolina State University and representing, um, you know, the pack and uh, playing for Coach V. They had just won. Uh, the championship uh, the year prior to that and you know so they're coming off of that and so it was a lot of attention on NC State's basketball uh, during that time but uh, you know Coach V was great coach I love playing for him uh, you know one of the you know best motivators I mean I mean this guy when he spoke to you uh, he pretty much had you uh, doing whatever uh, he wanted you to do and 
you know, or and sometimes doing some things you didn't know you was capable of doing. Just an excellent coach, uh, and uh, it was a great, great time, great time in my life. And then lastly, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit. You mentioned some of the players that played before you uh, at Inlow. But, I mean, I you know, when I think about now, I think about guys like John Wall and Devontae Graham and, you know, David West a little bit more recently, P.J. Tucker, all of these guys from Raleigh. Can you speak to that in the, the great – I think Raleigh is one of the more under – seems like one of the more underrated uh, cities when you're talking about professional athletes that, that come out of a uh, uh, come out of a town. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, a lot of those guys didn't go to Inlow, but, uh, they are from that, that triangle area. And, uh, it's, it's big time basketball. It's, it's, it's been big time basketball there, uh, for a long time. And, you know, that's how I got involved with it. Um, you know, I used to go over to Lions Park and, uh, play where I grew up at. And on Saturday mornings, uh, you know, the NC State players, David Thompson and, and those guys would be over, at uh, Lions Park on Saturday mornings playing. And, you know, St. Augustine, uh, you know, those players would be over there playing. And I would, you know, have the opportunity to sit and watch, you know, these college players play Saturday morning for free and, uh, you know, just chopping at the bits to have the opportunity to get out there and play with them. But, you know, never really got that. But, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of talent uh, in that area, uh, you know, ACC basketball has been big uh, in the triangle for so many years uh, with Duke, uh, NC State, uh, North Carolina, uh, you know, Wake Forest right down the road. But uh, the the triangle teams, Duke, uh, NC State, and Carolina, a lot of people don't even realize that those schools are 30 minutes apart and how close they are and to have uh, three major universities like that – with so much tradition, uh, people are just shocked uh, when they come down and uh, they see how close those universities. But it's it's just you know a hotbed for for athletes, uh, particular you know basketball players uh, in that area. Fifteen years as a head coach, his third season. As the head coach of the Indiana Pacers is Nate McMillan. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Nate, we always appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Pacers. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Nate McMillan has done a really good job with the Pacers, of course, talking about his days growing up in Raleigh and playing at NC State. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, I'm giving you my top ten HBCU FCS recruiting rankings up next Actor Richard Roundtree. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the film What Men Want is in theaters now. And one of the stars of the film, I, I tell you what, he's a, uh, a an icon, as a matter of fact. Be too many films to name all of the films and TV roles he's played in. You may know him most notably as Shaft. He is the one and only Richard Roundtree. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. So glad to have you. I want to start. Um, th- this film is, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty funny and it's it's getting a lot of uh, a lot of praise and so forth. You know, speak to us about your role in What Men Want. I played Taraji's dad. And the interesting thing about our relationship 
from my st- point of view is I have toughened her to a degree which gets <laughs> uh, gets her in trouble, and uh, because of my background and my, the frustrations that I've experienced in my life, I wanted my daughter not to suffer that, and I've made her tough, and she gets her aggression out in the ring with me sparring, and uh, it's her outlet, but as the picture unfolds, you get to see that my direction was not the in her really best interest. <laughs> That's pretty much uh, my role in the film, and uh, we come together uh which which for me is the most beautiful scene uh in the film when i explained to her <laughs> that uh i didn't give her ultimately the best advice she's got to soften up <laughs> and and accept um people's um shortcomings Yes, no, no question. So it's, a, uh-huh. it's a nice moment uh, in the film for me. Right. No, absolutely awesome. You know, I mean, it's such a great cast. You mentioned Taraji B. Henson. You have Tracy Morgan, uh, Aldis Hodge. You have Wendy uh, McClendon Covey. I mean, it's so Tamla Jones is in this film. You know, what? what is it? I mean, they, those those actors and actresses must really look up to you. What's the, what's it sort of like being the veteran, you know, on that set with all of those people? I'm sure looking up to you for all the great works you've had throughout your career. You know, I've been asked that question many, many times, and 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 how I view it is that when they say action, it's a level playing field. All of that stuff goes out the window. Your history and all that. You, you dare to you dare to do a job, and you're working. It's a level playing field, and it's uh, hopefully you experience a genuine circle playing off of each other. And when it's when it's working, there's two hands clapping. You know, one hand clapping doesn't make a sound. So. <laughs> it's a team effort. It's a, it's 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 a uh, as I said a level playing field. So you, you're working. Sure. And sometimes it really works, and sometimes to my uh, dismay, sometimes it doesn't. But this one, hey, every, all systems will go in this film. <laughs> and everybody is is doing their job, and I think it's a very successful event. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of talk about the film and, you know, the, OK, so outside of like and you're, you're right when when the lights come on, uh, you know, you guys have a job to do. But what are some of, you know, have some of the actors, actresses kind of come up to you and maybe, you know, say, hey, I, I, I was a Shaft fan or, you know, I've seen you in this or sought your advice. Advice? No, 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 <laughs> no advice. No, no. But uh, I get acknowledgement of from uh, different actors saying, you know, I, I saw you in such and such film. And uh, that's always nice. That's always nice. But advice, no, 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 no. You got pros here. <laughs> well, you no, know, no, no, that's fair. I, you know, that, that's fair. But, I mean, at the end of the day, 
I get it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you you are a legendary actor. You are, in fact, Richard Roundtree. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. We'll leave. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. <laughs> yep. That that the voice of the one and only Richard Roundtree who joins us here. Um, from the, you know, yeah, go I'm ahead. doing uh we, we had the uh um premiere of the trailer for Shaft last night and uh working with Sam <laughs> you got three generations of Shaft. Shaft uh, Sam is my son and he has a son and that was a magical thing. You know, and, you know, I can apply some of the questions you just asked me. I can apply some of the answers to that situation as well. Yeah. No, no question about it. That the voice of the one and only Richard Roundtree joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. He plays the role of Skip Davis in the film What Men Want, which is in theaters now. Yeah. What about this, Richard, with the the, the upcoming film? Uh, you know, Shaft is coming back out. Of course, you played the original role, and I, I, I guess you're going to have what more of a, a more of a prominent role in this new uh, version of Shaft, correct? No, it's 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 uh, it's an enlarged cameo, if you will. Okay. Um, Sam and his son is and and uh, Sam's uh, ex-wife. <laughs> uh, most most of the film centers around them. And I come in uh, three quarters of the way through the film, and uh, it's an, an important role. Um, and I had a great deal of fun playing playing off these guys. It, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and as man, it is one of the best Shaft movies yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me ask you this: Fair. How does it compare with the ones that you originally did? Three of them, the ones that you originally did back in the seventies. Um, it's the best one since the first one. All right. Okay. So even better than your second and third one, huh? Yeah. All right. No, from where I sit, it's the best one since the first one. Excellent. Of course, the one and only Richard Roundtree joins us here on the program. What do you remember most? And again, by the way, the film What Men Want is in theaters now. What do you remember most about uh, those days, uh, especially in the uh, in the 70s and, and those films, which were super important uh, and, and, and most notably you playing the role of Shaft. What most comes to your mind? Gordon Parks, the director. He was Shaft. From his class, from the way he dressed. And I look back on it and I see... Gordon Parks, and I'm <laughs> indebted to that man um, because the class and 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 sophistication of that character stands up today, and he permeated that 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 first one. That's why it stands. That's why it stands up. Yeah. To say nothing of the music from Isaac Hayes. <laughs> I mean, what? But, you know, you know, what a time in film, though, right? Like that was I mean, that was like a really not only is it was obviously an important time uh, in film, but definitely a magical time in film. I mean, obviously, films are much different now. But what you know, what a time in film overall that was. Uh, that's what makes it an iconic film. The timing and when that 
when that music came out and people were saying, well, is there a film connected to it? That's <laughs> what was the driving force. <laughs> That's funny. And to this day, you, when you hear that, man, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's funny. You say, was there is there a film connected to the music? That's actually pretty funny. Um, so a, a couple of more thoughts with Richard Roundtree. Of course, the film is What Men Want. It is in theaters now. Um, so for you now, are you going to be in this new um, I guess it's a, a, a finale of Being Mary Jane. It's like a it's, are you going to be in that? Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. That's the wrap up. Um, pulls everything together and, well, I won't tell you what happens, but um, Mary Jane gets her total act together. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what a gas playing with Gabrielle Union. Oh, yeah, so that's another awesome woman. <laughs> yeah, so you you really, I mean, it it must be. I mean, you know, you, you of course Taraji P. Gabrielle Union. I mean, you've played in a bunch of film with a bunch of you know actors and actresses uh, and so forth. What is it? You know, how what does it mean to you to still be, you know, after all these years, relevant and people still wanting to work with you? It's magical. I tell you, I am fond of saying. If you're fortunate in this business, you don't have to retire until your room temperature. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I've been incredibly fortunate. Um, and I keep work, working with incredibly talented people. I mean, uh, the projects I've been involved with are all A-quality t- uh, um pictures and 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 talent and that's that's what i call success i'm a successful actor <laughs> look at the people i've been working with <laughs> well yeah okay yeah okay i, I that's know that's magical yeah i understood um so now you were a you were a ball player back in the day right like did you play when you were at southern illinois did you did you play ball at southern illinois SIU, Southern Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. They gave me, back in May, they gave me an honorary doctorate degree. <laughs> the only way I could have gotten one. Because <laughs> 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 my football experience at SIU was limited to my sophomore year. I finally woke up to the fact that uh, I needed to do something else because football was not going to get it. <laughs> no, that's I mean that's funny. So, I mean, I are you still are you sort of are you in the, are you are you currently in the sports? Are you a big sports fan? Uh, not as much as I used to be. I mean, uh there was a disappointing Sunday <laughs> last Sunday. <laughs> Um, I follow that, and I follow basketball, and I play a lot of golf. And <laughs> the proof of the pudding for me is when I play with uh, so many retired athletes from football, mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> they can't move. <laughs> I said, oh, I, I got out of that sport in time <laughs> because it's a high price to pay from the, with, with professional football players. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, no question about it. And then went on to become an icon uh, in, in that thing that they call acting. He's the one and only. He's Richard Roundtree. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Check him out in the film What Men Want. Richard, an absolute it's a wonderful pl- ride. Yes, sir. It's been an absolute. Sit back and enjoy a wonderful ride. It's, it's a great movie. <laughs> yes, sir. We will uh, continue success in all you do. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Actor Richard Roundtree up next. My top 10 HBCU recruiting classes. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbread, the neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. In the last segment, joined by actor Richard Roundtree a little bit earlier in the program, Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan joined us on the program. It's that time in the show now, and you know we had National Signing Day on Wednesday, and for the last, I guess, 13 or 14 years, we've ranked, 13 years, I guess, we've ranked the top 10 HBCU FCS football recruiting classes, and I must say this time around, um, in past years, there it was clear who some of the you, it was clear that okay, this particular team definitely was going to be in the top ten. It was just a matter of ranking them. But but in years past, it's been like maybe five or six that were clear, and then you're trying to find four. I can't remember if it was last year, but I know a couple of years ago, um, it was sort of like that. It was some clear cut teams, and then some teams that you're like you just have to rank. Uh, to fill out your top 10 it wasn't like that this year like I had to in really looking at this thing I really had to um, uh, some teams I really had to uh, probably that could have been in years past let's put it like this in years past that may have been in some of the classes uh, weren't in this class this time around Um, I think more so than any other time there were a lot of three-star recruits this probably was the year where there were the most three-star recruits a lot of teams you know if you have you have now what 21 uh division one hbcus now that savannah state has dropped i mean i you know i mean well over half had at least one three-star kid had a lot of two-star kids where in years past um you've had some three stars but maybe not as many so hopefully this is a upward trend i mean i i I went on a i had a couple of um entities this week to ask me to come on their show and talk about uh recruiting and like i said yes this is a good year in terms of recruiting i think this is one of the better years that i've seen across hbcus 
in terms of recruiting as a whole, and especially when you're talking about three-star kids. But we've seen three-star kids in the past. I mean, South Carolina State used to sign three-star kids regularly, running backs, as a matter of fact, uh, offensive linemen. So, you know, we're, we're I think we're hopefully this year will be a year where now, okay, you set the bar, a bunch of three-star kids. Now we'll start to see that be more consistent amongst HBCUs, and then we can get to the level where we see even some four-star kids that are signing, and then we can really say, okay, you know, uh, uh, we're sort of turning the corner with respect to HBCU recruiting and consistently recruiting some of the the bigger uh, names. And and again, or, or, or the bigger the kids with the stars by their names. And again, for me, it's not. It is about the stars, but it's not all about the stars. Like I look at these classes, really study them, uh, look at the needs that a lot of these uh, schools need. How did they fill those needs? I give credence more so to the stars by the kids that. Um, are high school kids. Um, then I, I do look at the JUCO kids as well, and then uh, lend credence to the FBS transfers. If you were a four-star kid out of an FBS and you, and you signed originally with an FBS and played, I probably am going to give less credence to that just because, I mean, by, the stars at that point don't mean don't mean a whole lot. I mean, it means something, but it doesn't mean a whole lot because at that point you've already played college football. I'm going to say this. I'm going to get to the list. Um, I thought that Hampton and Robert Prunty and his staff did a really good job in terms of, of, of really filling needs. They went the junior college route this time. They're going and playing Big South football. And I, I thought Hampton season, while they had a, a weak schedule last year, you can only go out and play the schedule. They handled their business against the teams they were supposed to. They had a couple of decent wins last year, played some played. They didn't play bad. I, I like Hampton last year. Actually, um, they didn't make this list, but I thought they did a good job in terms of recruiting. Also like what Arkansas Pine Bluff and, and Cedric Thomas and his staff did. They didn't make the list, but I mean, they went out and recruited guys from all over the country. I mean, you're talking about a state school, Arkansas, where you would think you'd have a lot of recruits and they did have some in-state recruits, but they had, it was like eight states that they really touched on and they really touched on in that Tampa area as well. So let's get to the list. We're going to start at number 10. And at number 10, tied for number 10, is Jackson State. I thought Jackson State did a, a really good job. First-year head coach. Um, they were able to get a three-star kid in Brandon Sanders uh, from Jefferson Davis in Montgomery. He's a wide receiver. He had several uh, FBS offers. Uh, I also like the fact that they were able to get a good athlete in Christian Allen. He was Mr. Football 4A in the state of Mississippi. Five thousand over five, Almost 5,500 yards in terms of all-purpose yards, 68 touchdowns in his career. Running back Kimo Clark uh, Jr. from Lake Weir in Okala, Florida, could be a game changer. Had uh, offers from Arkansas, South Alabama, and Marshall, but stuck uh, with Jackson State. Jackson State lost four offensive linemen from last year, but signed four more offensive linemen. So I, I had Jackson State at, tied for number 10. Also at number 10, Alabama A&M. And, um, you know, they were able to go out and, and get a couple of guys. They had a two-star 
uh, wide receiver in Juriel Caldwell. He's from Lee in Jacksonville, Florida. He had offers from Auburn, South Alabama, USF, Utah Temple. So he spurned all those schools to stick with Connell Maynard and his staff at Alabama A&M. Also be on the lookout for um, a, a, a defensive end, a three-star kid um, from South Oak Cliff which is, I believe it's in Texas, I believe it's in Dallas. Remember, the Bulldogs looking to fill holes. I mean, they had a pretty good season last year. This kid, um, Davion Wheeler, could be a game changer. 57 tackles, 21 sacks, 21 sacks um, <laughs> just in his senior year. Also a kid, A.J. Harris, 5'11", 200-pound, redshirt sophomore safety, who's transferring from Ole Miss at Number nine, I had Bethune-Cookman. Thought the Wildcats did a really good job. Had a, a pretty big class of note in offensive linemen. Uh, Travis Robinson, 6'5", 325 pounds from Mainland, right there in Daytona Beach. A three-star kid. Um, had some offers from Florida, Florida uh, Atlantic, Louisville. He had a bunch of offers and, and chose to stay at uh, a Bethune-Cookman. That was a pretty big get, I thought. Uh, and then also watch out for safety by the name of Rashad Pratt, a bigger kid um, from Fort Lauderdale, uh, Hallandale High School. Um, and, and, and again, a guy that had some other offers but stuck with Bethune-Cookman. I thought Bethune-Cookman had, I mean, to, to have them eight this year, I mean, that's low considering I thought they had a really good class. But again, that's just how it goes with, I think, how big um, – uh, the recruiting was this year. Number seven, um, I had Grambling. I mean, I thought Grambling did a really good job. Um, listen, they were able to get a running back by the name of C.J. Russell. He is the he's from Arcadia. He's the uh, the sixth all-time leading rusher in Louisiana history. Think about that. And this kid didn't even see. That's the thing. Like this kid didn't even have any stars by his name. But it's again, sometimes you got to look sort of beyond that. I mean, this kid was absolutely sensational. Six, again, six all-time leading rusher. I think the really one of the bigger signings in of all the HBCUs, I would say, uh, is the safety William Savala. He's a six-foot, 180-pound kid out of Dallas Carter. Three-star, had offers, a uh, bunch of other offers, but uh, uh, signed with Grambling. And I think he's going to be one of the I – think, I think he's going to come in and be able to help them right away. At number seven, NCCU, Trey Oliver uh, comes in right away and hits the ground running. Uh, North Carolina Central had three three-star kids, um, but even more so, they were able to go out and get some other kids um, as well. Uh, look out for Davius Richard, the quarterback. He's from um, Glade Central in Pahokee, Florida. Uh, he was the, the sort of the player of the year in that area. I mean, I thought they had some, you know, they were able to go out and get also a Nicholas Witherspoon out of Smith in Greensboro, uh, three-star rated uh, kid defensive end as well. At number six, I had Howard. Mike London leaves, enters Ron Prince. And just like when London came in, when he was able to retain Newton, nothing changes. They still had a good class. Look for Elijah Coleman to come in right away. He's a cornerback, a three-star kid uh, out of Rockwall, Texas. Uh, they had one three-star kid and then two or four uh, two-star kids did Howard. Thought they had a good class. At number five, fam, you be on the lookout for Moses Telfort. 
uh, had a bunch of offers. A linebacker can come in and help right away. Had offers from Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Mizzou, and Kansas. And also, by the way, they had a former four-star safety, uh, a kid who originally signed with Maryland. It didn't work out. Played at Kofiville Community College in Kansas um, and, and was original um, Under Armour All-America. Uh, so watch out for this young man, Marquise Bell at number four, I had Tennessee State. Rod Reed and staff seems to always be in at least the top five. They had uh, three two star kids, one three star kid this year, and they had a bunch of FBS transfers. And they just look to sort of build on that on 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 the foundation of what they typically have. At number three, I had A&T first full year for Sam Washington and his staff. Be on the lookout for a young man defensive end by the name of Kyle Stanback. As you know, Daryl Johnson forego or forwent, if you will, his senior year to enter the National Football League draft. He's a uh, sort of a, a 6'7", 250-pound uh, defensive end. Also, Shamar Thompson, a running back's a three-star kid. Be on the lookout for them. A&T had three three-star kids and two two-star kids. At number two, I had Alcorn State. Alcorn State did a tremendous job in recruiting this year. They had four three-star kid led by a three-star quarterback in Tavarius Adams um, who's out of Meridian High School in Meridian he's he could be the future for Alcorn State they had a really good class the number one class was Southern 18 players signed four three-star kids be on the lookout for a young man by the name of Bertrand Carell um, he's a safety had 11 FBS program offers, including LSU, Arizona, Mizzou. He prepped at Madison Prep in Baton Rouge. They had a couple of really good running backs, including a transfer running back. But I think this was a really, really good class for Dawson Odoms and his staff. So that's my top 10. It's subject to change. Look out next week as I'm going to write this up. And uh, post this on our website at BoxToRow.com. Any thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Got to get ready to run. Thank you to Nate McMillan, also to Richard Roundtree. Sad news, Frank Robinson, great baseball player, first black manager in Major League Baseball, passed away earlier this week. And we're going to talk more about that on next week's show. And always remember to support those that support you from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Damn right.